Welcome everybody to the Haunted Hacker podcast number 45. Uh, today is Sunday. This is the third podcast this weekend. And we have a good friend of mine joining us, Chris Roberts. What's up, buddy? Good. How are you doing? The third That's one this weekend? Third one, brother. Yeah. Oh, bloody yeah. hell, you've been busy. You're mad. It's, it's crazy, man. So how you been, man? It's been, it's been a good while since the last time we talked. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to switch seats for a little bit. I'm going to go hang out with one of the wolf mutts. Well, his butt anyway. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How's, it, how's the mom doing? She doing good? Uh, we'll go with an ish on that one. Um, I'm going to have to get over there at some point in time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she's got to have, uh, I guess, radiation therapy now, whatever you call it, radiotherapy, radiation therapy. Do not sniff the eight. Don't sniff the computer. This is Daisy, by the way. Daisy, the Marmadukes. Yeah, that's Daisy. That's Milo taking over the sofa. Yeah. Unless right. you just got back to the house. So oh, really? Like, yeah, I was out and about doing stuff, and I need. I knew I obviously I need to get back for this. Right. So, awesome. and um, just, um, I'll get over there at some point. Uh, I want to get over there, obviously, but I also want to respect the fact that um, Mum doesn't want me to be over there and see her until she's like in better shape. So right. it's that balance. I mean, you know how it is. It's that balance between just wanting to say the hell with it and going to go see her. Yeah. And um, I'm respecting her wishes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know it was rough during uh, the lockdown because I was in London during the lockdown and, you know, nobody could get anywhere. I know that had to be yeah. hard on you with, with your mom in London. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, like uh, we go way back. So for the people who don't know um, Chris and, and our my connection, um, Chris opened up a uh, talk in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. At Bank of America back in 2010, uh, I opened up for him, me and Ed Trawick, and it was my first time ever being on a stage, and I thought I was going to crumble, absolutely crumble. Uh, and here's here's Chris in the green room, all cool, calm, and collected, and <laughs> had his toe shoes on, and you know, I thought, who is this guy? Who is this epic guy that that with the beard and and you know all the things? And I get out there and fumble through my my presentation, and and you know, yeah. choking everywhere, and then Chris comes out and just smooth as glass, man. Um, and I think the talk that you gave was about um, military and, um, you know, some of the military weapons and be able to take over, you know, weapons and weapon <laughs> systems and satellites. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was Patriot missiles. I was bored because I couldn't have a Patriot missile. So I wanted my own Patriot missile. <laughs> so I remember, I, oh, I got so yelled at for that. It was so much freaking fun though. But it was like, you can't you can't call up with an Amex and go. I say, could I possibly buy a Patriot missile or two? They tend to frown on that. So it's like, well, if I want them, how the hell are we going to get them? Because we did that. It was that. It was ICBMs. A bunch. Um, probably the early days of the aviation shit and cars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I think right before that uh, was when you took a a trip on an airplane, and the FBI kind of flipped out about that. Oh, bless them. We get to have fun with those uh, those individuals uh, this coming week. I'm up in Wisconsin and we got some fun shit planned. Let's just put it that way. QR codes will never be the same again. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So tell me what, what else you've been up to, man. It's been, you know, it's been a good couple of years. I know that you're distilling some sort of moonshine or whiskey, right? Oh, yeah. Always, always doing stupid shit like that. Oh, yes. hang on. That was absolutely terrible way of doing it. Um, I, you know, a bunch of different things. I think 
probably like a lot of us, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually going to wander downstairs because cool. it'll, be, it'll be better. Let me use you. I think like a bunch of us in the industry, I'm still trying to, still trying to like to, to, to get to grips with where I want to be or I feel like I need to be or I feel like where my worth is for want a better way of putting it. Right. And as it's, it's weird because again, like a lot of us in the industry, um, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't I, I, we don't fit in. I mean, let's be perfectly honest, but there's been an entire industry that's grown up around us. Mm -hmm. In theory, we should have fitted into. Right. But unfortunately, that entire industry has grown literally into a money spinning, money making machine. It's, it's gone from the way that I look at it, it's gone from DEF CON and some of the B sides to Black Hat. You know, yeah. we've, we've lost that feel of, you know, community and kind of like that, that brotherhood. And it's kind of drifted off into vendor space, you know. And that's it. And so you've gone from an industry where it's like, okay, I fit in. I feel like I belong. I feel like I'm part of it to, you know, I say, you know, what one has, one has, one has tattoos and, and one has purple hair. Uh, how does one think one fits into this industry now? I'm like, uh, motherfuckers, we started the damn thing. Right, right. We were talking to Mubix yesterday and I was telling him, you know, when I got into security, there was no pen testing. There was no certified ethical hacker. Right. You know, we created that. We frontiered that. Um, and it's kind of been bastardized since then. You know, you look at EC Council. Well, yeah, don't even on that one. Yeah. It's... Um... I think the, I mean, again, you go back to the origins of the industry. It was done for inventiveness. It was done for innovation. It was done to understand. It was done to learn. It was also done to protect. Mm -hmm. And now it's done for the almighty dollar. For Not for, not everything. Right. I mean, that's, you, know, you, Evan, Ryan, Chris, there's a bunch of folks who, a bunch of us who want to do it for the right reasons. Mm. But then the problem is it almost feels like we're bucking the trend. I mean, I look in the mirror too often and I'm like, I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm not doing the right things. I'm not doing enough. Nobody wants me, especially, you know, now that I've left the, the sign it folks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do I do for a living? You know, I've still got the Hillbilly Hit Squad stuff. And, you know, we're putting some money on the, some food on the table and bringing some money in. But I'm still sitting there going, what do I do? You know, how do I, how do I fit back in to do a CISO role, virtual CISO role or whatever? And it's it's kind of disheartening in a way. It's just like you sit back and you're like, shit, I just, I don't belong in some ways. You know, it's kind of a weird feeling in some ways. Yeah, it was weird. I, I went from, um, you know, doing red teaming stuff to starting a sock for oil and gas like right. four, five, four or five years ago. And what I realized going into an office and, and being around different people and being around that culture is that I don't fit in with that. Um, right. And it's really difficult to function in that environment um, because they expect you to be a certain way. Of course, they, they allow you to have, you know, your beard and the tattoos and the hacker mystique is what they want. Yeah. But what they really want is they want that. Plus, they want you to conform to their standards. Right. And I just I've, I've had a hard time doing that. Um, really, yeah. the best thing that happened to me was was starting a speaking career. Um, yeah. Because I got my thoughts out there and kind of verbalize what I've been through and kind of what I think the industry should be. Um, but there's so much bullshit that goes on just within the industry, you know, just nonsense. Uh, you know, look at some of the stuff that, that this group has been through the haunted hacker and some of the nonsense that, that we've had to put up with and deal with. Um, and it, 
you know, what's sad is those people are industry leaders that are running amok. You yeah. know, it's, it's pretty sad. It's, uh, I, I think the other one, sorry to, to, mm-hmm. to move on that one as well is, mm-hmm. and this is where I ran afoul of the last, the last bunch um, mm-hmm. that I was hanging out with. And I won't name all the names, but it's fairly easy to look on my freaking profile and figure that shit out. Right is I think because they are like, oh, you're a hacker, therefore your morals slash ethics are malleable. And I, I had a conference call at some crazy hour of the morning where they're like, well, everybody else is lying about what they're doing. Therefore, we're fine. We, we should be okay doing that too. And I'm like, no, no, that that's not how this works. And it literally was like, well, you're a hacker. You should be used to that. And I'm like, you realize as a hacker, I am held to higher standards we because of what we have and what we know and what we can do we're held to higher standards our ethics and our morals have to be more we have to have better integrity than almost anybody else and yeah you know what we tread and god damn it i mean we sure as hell bounce over that bounce over that line sometimes to prove points but it's never for any other reasons and i'm sorry lion that shit ain't coming into it yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that brings up a point. Um, when I went back into commercial sector and was working at the, at the oil and gas company, um, the CISO that I had at the time, I heard him on the phone because we all sat in one row and I heard him on the phone talking to a potential client. And he said that he'd been doing cybersecurity since Reagan. And I thought, wait a minute, but let me count the years here. That, that cannot be possible. <laughs> so when he got off the phone, I said, could you please not say that again? because I have no way to back you up on that. Um, that's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a stretch, uh, but you see that a lot in industry too. And, and the certifications and, you know, the certifications really get to me. Um, you know, I, I challenged the SAN certifications back in 2006, four of them in one day. That's back when you could take the test online um, and passed all four. And I get an email from them saying that they were gonna put me through an ethics committee to see if I cheated. And of course they looked at their logs and they went through and they came back and they said, well, we can't prove that you cheated. So you get your, your certifications. And I said, the problem is your certifications are such bullshit and so easy. Anybody can pass them, but you want them to pay the $10,000 and not pay the 400 to challenge a test. That's the whole point. But it's all, it's all money driven. You know, it didn't used to be that way. Well, and I did a, a pretty blunt and relatively nasty post the other day, and it was all around the checkbox. And unfortunately, again, to your point, an entire industry, in fact, most of our industry is driven through that checkbox. It's driven by, I mean, you, you know, I've, I have to pass the audit. Well, I'll put the check in the box. And so now somebody's selling you the certification. Somebody's also selling you the training and the testing and the people that are doing the training and the testing have to take the test to be able to certify that they can do that. And there's this, and, oh, and then by the way, only certain companies are allowed to sell you shit by this. And, and they're going to be, I mean, all of a sudden it's just like, good gods, it's racketeering 101 for crying out loud. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? And why are we doing it? Yeah, and it's a business within itself as well. Like, so mm-hmm. the only, I think the only reason why EC Council even exists is because the Department of Defense requires the CEH plus two other certs to be in security. Um, and that's really the only way that they're, I think they're standing up because they've been through a lot lately. And that test, I remember I was version one of the CEH. And I remember looking at the test and one of the questions was about Donald Dick, the software. And I thought, you have got to be shitting me. Like you're teaching people how to be script kitties. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, and that's, 
you know, this is the one thing. I mean, you're in the same boat. We encourage people. I'm like, you know, I, I, I want more people in the industry, but do me a favor, mm-hmm. work out how it works. You know, I don't care what you do, but figure out when you play the game of follow the packet, mm-hmm. understand what that damn packet can do. And when you actually hit the button, I don't actually, I have no clue. Do you want to use Metasploit and whatever? I actually don't care. Mm-hmm. But what I care about is you understand what it's doing and why and how. Mm-hmm. You know, at least understand that. I don't. I don't mind if you want to use other stuff. I'm the hell. We all do it for crying out loud. But at least understand what the hell the damn thing's doing. Yeah, that's. I think that's the biggest problem with the universities and, and some of the um, certification companies is they teach them techniques, but they don't teach them why or how. Yeah, and that's. I think that's the biggest flaw that that we're facing. Um, and also, like when you look at blue team stuff, we were talking about this last night. The platforms have not gotten much better. Um, back from the old days, like InterShield and Snore, it's still really the same platform, just a cooler UI, you know? And that's, and, and I think that's, that's a huge part of it. And again, you know, one of the folks I was kicking around with over in Israel, I give them credit for wanting to make things a little simpler and easier, but I won't, you know, give me more intelligence, give me more data points, give me more of the detail. And it's kind of the reason I like the deception space to some degree and have done if it's done properly, because at least it gives you something that you've typically not had. You know, we all can fool logs. We can all do this. We can all do analysis. We can, we all know how to use grab for crying out loud, you know, and extend your regex for goodness sake. So we can all ask it the right questions, mm. but I need it to be done, you know, faster, quicker, simpler, easier. And by the way, I also need more detail, preferably before somebody's waltzed out of my front door with more of my damn data. So yeah, there's a, an interesting point in my career where I went to work for a company in Colorado and Denver, and you yeah. actually left there right before I went to work there in Telesecure. So I, so I actually didn't end up there. They actually took all of the, so when Al imploded because of the, because uh, of the, well, initially the, the stuff with the aviation and then obviously what actually happened was that Ida was already getting sideways with the board and the investors because they promised to put more money into the company and they promised to do all sorts of things and they started to pull back and I'm like, why? And a lot of it came down to they wanted more of the company and they wanted more control of the company and they wanted more control of the direction. And I'm like, no, kind of, I kind of know what I'm doing and all this kind of stuff. And I've also got good people that are helping me. So they kept pulling back and then obviously the aviation stuff went down and rather than saying, shit, we can use this to our advantage, they pulled the plug on everything. Wow. And they turned and said, we're not gonna do anything. At which point we're like, well, we have to implode. You know, we, we shut down development and stuff and we're just doing testing and then they pulled the plug on a bunch of that. Wow. Then they collapsed, they collapsed the company and two of the people that were still there, the CEO and the CFO, ended up buying the assets for 50,000 and started up a new company and a whole bunch of other people obviously left and went to IntelliSecure. Yeah, and it was funny because when I was working in IntelliSecure, I worked there for a small amount of time. Um, a good friend of mine from Pintura, from hmm. England, actually combined forces with IntelliSecure and they were doing the pen test. So I was actually working for a branch of Pintura while I was working in IntelliSecure. Um, it was really strange. And I would log into like a, you know, a, an image over in the UK to do the testing from and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've still stayed in contact with the guys from Pintura. Uh, they end up, uh, I think they sold the company um, and a couple of them branched off and actually built another company. 
uh, it's really interesting. I went over there back in 2009, I believe, yeah. and was teaching them how to do voice over IP hacking. Um, mm. I talked to yeah their, their team over there. It's pretty cool. So, I mean, you know, with, with everything being said, you know, the, the industry definitely needs help for sure. Yeah. And I feel kind of lost sometimes because I feel like we're kind of responsible. You know, I, I feel like being first in the industry and before the industry was actually an industry, and it seems like somehow we've lost grips with where it was going. Um, and now we're starting to lose people left and right, you know, like Dan Kaminsky and, and some of the other, you know, great minds are starting to lose. So where yeah. do you see the industry going from here? I mean, that always worries me. It's, um, I, I think a few different things. We can't continue to sustain the number of companies that keep evolving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in essence, there's, there's got to be some level of, of consolidation is the right way of pushing attrition slash consolidation depends which way you want to look at it. Um, there's got to be better attacks of that one. Uh, to me, what I would love to see is more accountability in the industry, uh, a lot more accountability. And that's across the board. You know, you come in and you tell me you're going to protect me. And let's face it, we can all go out and Google 100% protection in our industry and see who's doing it. But if you're going to tell me that happens and something still occurs, well, I won't come back on you. And I think uh, some of that's going to get driven by, um, for good or for bad, the legal team. Some of that's going to get driven by purely the insurance arena. Because they're going to be like, well, hang on. We got nailed last time. We gave an insurance policy. We told you to follow this shit. You actually did follow some of it or most of it. And yet you still got your ass handed to you. Tell us what happened. And they'll send people like you and I and like the, the rest of the crew that are listening in. And we'll go back and we'll be like, well, you know, to their credit, they did A, B, and C. And Somebody still got past their, you know, endpoint detection system. It's basically antivirus with a pranty name, let's face it. Yeah. And so somebody got past that and this is what happened. And so I think at some point there's going to have to be some level of accountability. I don't know if it will, but there needs to be. Um, I, I, I mean, what are we, $150 billion industry now? It's, and I don't, it, unfortunately, it's not going to slow down. There's... And, and it's not going to get any easier. I mean, the complexities have added. We start looking at everything that's happening with, I mean, we were, we were on track for what, 20, 22 billion IoT devices by the end of this year. And I think we're sitting, we're going to be sitting in over 30, it's like 30, 35, 36 billion IoT devices by the end of this year. And then you look into the 5Gs in the network. So I don't, you know, it's weird. We keep we keep stumbling from one cliff edge to the next and somehow we keep convincing people to give us more money. I think at some point that's going to have to stop. And, but I'm kind of wondering when I'm going, you know, is it going to be a reckoning? Is it going to be, we end up integrating into the business? Is it going to be that we screw it up so badly that somebody does put overarching control on us. I mean, they've tried, let's face it. Otherwise we wouldn't be running with running around with 25 or more different types of audits and assessments and shit that we have to do. So there's got to be a simplification. We, we've got to get better at making this easier because we keep making it more complex, which is great for hiding and asking for more and more money, but we're not fixing the problem. Yeah. I, I've seen that quite a bit. And when you look at critical infrastructure, and, you know, they're dancing around trying to put more checks and audits on critical infrastructure. The government's slowly getting involved, but I'm not sure that that is the right answer either. Um, 
you know, it's kind of dangerous once you once you go that route. Um, the complexities are, I mean, you know this as well. I was actually just looking at the example online that somebody was talking about, like automotive engines. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, you can overlay a standardized system. But in so many cases, you can't because there are so many unique things going on with it. And you think, you know, to your point, you, know, you look at critical infrastructure. One power station is not going to look the same as another power station. doesn't matter how, how, how freaking cookie cutter you think they are some bug is going to do something a little differently you know the cabling is going to be different maybe it's a different switch maybe they upgrade it at a different time maybe they're using slightly different software each one of these situations that we go into is typically a unique environment you know if we tell everybody the problem is again you you, you tell everybody you know we, we talk about basics and if you take the atypical person who's like well your basics should be patched well fuck no because if I patch my critical infrastructure on my healthcare system, I'm going to kill people. I'm going to shut the grid down. Uh, how about we talk about separation and segmentation? But in other areas, oh, hell yeah, you patch as soon as you possibly can. And so these blanket statements that we keep putting on people aren't going to fix everything. And I think that's the other thing we have to understand is we have to be much more adaptable and adept at working with the businesses, which have been around for you know thousands of years in some cases. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I was working, uh, I'm, I'm actually working with Pyro now at a, at a company. Um, and he does the red team and I run the blue team. Um, but we, I help him test and he helps with the blue stuff as well. Uh, and what we're seeing is like evolution of ransomware is crazy, right? And oh I, th my God. I think yeah. that's going to drive a lot of our industry is ransomware, unfortunately. And what I found that's really interesting is the relationship between the cyber cybersecurity insurance companies and incident response teams. We talked about this a little bit yesterday as well, is that there's definitely a relationship there. And the first thing they always want to do is see how much the negotiation is with the attacker. Oh yeah, totally. You know, it just, yeah. that, that slays me. Again, it's so, uh, you know, and it sucks because it's indicative of our industry. I mean, again, same thing. You go back, let's say 10, 15 years, and it was like, woohoo, we've stopped a certain amount of stuff at the firewall. All right, I get that. 10 years ago, it's like, oh, our, our, you know, F5 and our WAF and everything else stopped all this stuff. Now, eight years ago, we were congratulating ourselves when we managed to discover something inside the environment. Like, aha, meantime discovery is only 10 days. And then it's gotten decidedly worse. I saw a post on LinkedIn, which is, and I don't know, again, put this in context. I only saw a couple of bits on this, but somebody's like, I keep saying we're about 170 days. They're now saying the latest stats are putting us at like on average at like 230, 240 days. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and when you think about it in the context of the physical world, not the digital world, screw the digital world. You can think about it in the context of the physical world. That's like having an uninvited guest in the house for eight months. You walk into the fridge and it's like, God damn it, I went shopping yesterday. Where the hell is my food? Come down, to, come down to the freaking basement. I find somebody's drunk some of the whiskey. Somebody didn't flush the toilet or they left a fucking toilet roll paper the wrong way around. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, that is your world that you are living in. You have uninvited guests inside your environment and you just simply can't see it. And now we're talking about, well, we managed to negotiate the ransomware down by 50%. I'm like, what the fuck is it doing there in the first place, you numpties? Mm -hmm. 
exactly and exactly. I, I you know we, we yeah. celebrate we continue to celebrate our failures and uh, and i and that's that frustrates the hell out of me and it also frustrates me that you know you've got ransomware proof this and ransomware no you know what tell you what one go count your assets even if you go with a pencil and paper congratulations it doesn't take on um, by the way go get some fucking interns to do it and maybe you can actually solve some of the problems you think you have with not having enough hands because you can pay the interns the money that you were going to buy that fancy new piece of shit software that isn't going to do anything for you anyway. Right. So great, you got the interns doing that. And by the way, back your shit up. Uh, we talked about this 20 years ago. You remember those tapes, fucking things we used to take home with us? Yeah, might I maybe use one of those next time. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> Absolutely what crazy. Yeah. One of the things I saw too was um, ransomware attackers are starting to evolve a little bit. Um, I looked at uh, an incident um, and kind of reviewed, analyzed the, the outcome of it, um, where the attacker went in and went to um, the Nimble and was starting to encrypt images and, you know, so that they couldn't roll back in time. Yeah. You know, they're actually getting a little bit smarter, but still, I mean, when you look at how they're getting in, it's not rocket science. And just foundational shit can stop it. But people are so like worried about AI and, and so worried about the next shiny platform. Well, it's, we don't, we, and I'm using we in the, and actually Kim just hit it perfectly. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. Actually going around and counting shit, it's boring and it's hard. We're kind of like writing reports. You're like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> How many times can I explain to you you're screwed in elegant language? Right. Yeah, we don't like doing it. We leave it to the last minute. We procrastinate the snot out of it. So when somebody comes along and goes, well, I've got this AI machine that's going to write a report for you. And all you have to do is sign your name on the bottom. And you're like, oh, hell yes. And that's exactly the Kim's point. It's marketing. So we have the same thing. It's like, well, you don't have to go count all of your assets because we'll do it for you for the mere price of $10 per machine plus an additional 20% or 25% every year. If you sign up now for three years, we will count all of your machines for you every minute of the day. And for an additional $15, we'll protect them. Yeah, right. Never like, works. Oh, hell yes. Meanwhile, you know, the guys in the warehouse have got the four machines sitting on the internet directly because they had to get the separate fucking connection because the vendor wanted access to it. They got XP on there because, well, the damn counting machine doesn't work on anything other than XP. And they keep playing games on a daily basis. And we wonder why we get our asses handed to us. Exactly. I was in uh, Scotland and doing a pen test. And uh, I found a UPS system that controlled the electricity for the entire company <laughs> and it had default username and password in it and i thought oh my gosh do, yeah. do i do i do it or do i pass on it let somebody know i was so tempted to go into it and really start messing with it but just to prove a point you know like i i'll I'll, <laughs> I'll take that and i'll give you another example almost exactly the same mm -hmm. so we were at a power station uh, a little while ago we were at a power station and we were, you know, doing that. We'd broken in, done all the stuff we needed, and we were just helping them understand a lot more. And all of a sudden, we were sitting there with a wireless, and we're like, hang on, what's this? And they're like, well, you know, we have a bunch of wireless doing this. I'm like, no, 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 what's this one? Oh, that's probably just this. I'm like, how about we go check it out? And so in one hand, we were checking out. On the other hand, we looked on Wiggle. And good old Wiggle was like, yeah, and you could and you could see it was, it was labeled down there. And I was like, all right, let's go take this out. What we ended up figuring out was 
the UPS systems that ran all the power stations, um, HMIs, and all the other stuff, the vendor didn't want to go through the physical controls. They just didn't want to go into the gate and sign in and go through this and sign in and have to do all this shit. So what they ended up doing was literally going into Best Buy, getting a net gear, putting the 15 dB gain antennas on it and just stuffed it down the back of the UPS. So what ended up happening is the vendor truck would pull up outside the power station in this couple of areas where they could get signal and just log in using, you know, the deep, and it was default creds as well, using the default creds for that particular UPS system. They go in, they do all their maintenance and their support, and then they just drive off. I'm like, you know, um, needless to say, I'm thinking they, they probably had a long conversation about that, but yeah, we do it to ourselves. And again, to me, it's that audit. We're humans, mm-hmm. you know, and we're humans in so many different ways. And again, we have tried to solve our human failings with technology. Mm-hmm. We don't like doing reports. So we look for autonomous reporting systems. When Metasploit says, hey, I can give you a default template. Fuck hell yes. When I tell you that you have to adhere to an audit, you're like, all right, and I'm not picking on you, but you general as humans, you're like, what's the minimum I have to do? How do I skid by this one? Right. And we do it even better than that. We actually kick ourselves and we shoot ourselves in the foot, which is like, okay, I've got 100 computers, but only those 10 talk to the credit card. Therefore, if I do, I only put those 10 in scope. Right. Dear auditor, only look, don't look behind those other 90 there. Perfectly okay. Nothing to do with credit cards. Same fucking piece of wire and, you know, the yeah, but... We do it to ourselves because we don't want to have to put those extra steps in there because in theory, security is hard. It's hard work. It's, it's technically, I argue it's not hard, but it's hard work to think, okay, I have to change my ways. I have to do two extra things. I actually have to think for a minute. I've got to maybe question something. You can't just drift along, you know, you, you actually maybe have to think, hey, that email I got in, do I really want to click on it or not? Rather than go click, click, click. I don't know. It's um, humans. Take them out, shoot a few, we'll get it sorted. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that, that I think is funny is that, you know, as pen testers and, and us in general from back in the day, I, I want to say that, and I may be wrong, but I want to say that 60% of the compromises and 60% of how we get in is just dumb human mistakes, whether it be default passwords or whether it be unprotected services or, you know, not the right, you know, standard of encryption. Um, and I, I want to say like the other 40% maybe, you know, took a little bit more complex thinking and, and, and effort, but most of the pen tests I've been on have been so simple. Oh, um, I, I'd, I'd go higher than 60%. Really? And I, I'm, I'd be very, I don't want you or I to get taken out of context in any right. way, shape. It's, to me, it's not a user fault. To me, it's not a, a daft user. It's, it's life. We're here. Again, we're humans. Right. You know, and as humans, we want to help people. So mm-hmm. when I call you up and go, hey, I need some help, you're like, oh, absolutely. I'll help you. It doesn't matter what the procedures are. Mm-hmm. Or I call you up and go, God damn it, I'm about to get on a motherfucking plane and we're closing a billion dollar deal. I'm like, Fucking email doesn't work, you son of a bitch. I'm going to fire sorry ass. Reset my fucking password to password one because I'm pissed off with all this other shit. Click. And on help desk, they're like, oh, motherfucker, that was a bus. Password one done. And I sit there or you sit there, you're like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, truck through the front door because we're humans. Right. 
you know, and it's, you know, and, and there's and, and 25 examples in between all of that. I mean, again, you're working with Luke and I mean, Luke is Luke. I mean, you know, between Luke, Chris and a bunch of others, they're, they're, they're masters of this. And I mean, yeah. this is, it's not, it's not a technology play. Mm-hmm. This is how do we get, you know, I mean, what are we at now? I think it's connected to humans is sitting at around five and a half billion, I think, yeah. seven and a half billion. In the, so our job is to look at those five and a half billion humans and go, what can we do to best protect you? Aside from burning down Facebook and a few other people, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, what, what, cause y- y'all ain't giving this shit up. Let's be honest. I mean, we, we, we lost this one when, you know, we said to BYOD, well, shit, we lost this when Apple came out with the iPhone. Right. And then we said, well, no, BYOD, we're going to have to deal with this one. And everybody's like, I'm going to bring all the shit in anyway. And so it's, it's how do we protect or at least reduce the risks on five and a half billion humans? And that's difficult because when you look at the five and a half billion, there's various levels of intelligence and various levels of technical knowledge. And so again, if you, if we play devil's advocate for a second, Mm -hmm. how, how do we make this? And when I say simple, I don't mean, how do we dumb it down for people? That's not how much, how do we make this effective and yet integrated? You know, for all the love and hate that Apple gets, those assholes have made the adoption of technology really fucking easy. And I mean, painful, it, painful at the same time, though, too. Only, oh, only if you dig under the covers. If you don't dig under the covers and you don't look behind the mirror, all you got to do is the user interface, the integration capabilities, the fact that you we have taken apps. I mean, you think in 10 years, we've gone from these big ass nasty ass three-tier applications to this this thing this little icon that appears and you're like oh i'm just going to click on that and you click on it you don't think about it you don't worry about where it came from you don't worry about where your data's gone you don't worry about the developers you don't the delivery mechanisms have are 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 amazing from a human standpoint the and that's we need to learn from that it's how do we deliver security in such an effective way how do we deliver it in that silver platter you don't have to think about it we got your ass covered now i just saw this we'll scan the phones them for the images actually not yet use the three examples get your shit right they're actually not doing all of that so do me a favor take off the fox news propaganda headset and and maybe think about it for a second go do the research because i actually know exactly what apple is doing and i also know what's been and it's actually out there what they're doing and what they're not doing Get your shit right, then comment. Sorry, scroll moment for a minute. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but and it scares the crap out of me to be perfectly honest. But you look at what the government's done now, teaming up with the big industry. Going, oh, we're gonna we're gonna work together more effectively, and a bunch of us are like, oh fuck. Yeah, exactly. So I was working in an intelligence company in Dallas, and we had a customer appreciation kind of event where they came into Dallas and we put them up in the big hotel and had meetings with them. Yeah. Uh, the CEO is a millionaire from old money in Dallas, you know, part of the whole Roger Stallback circle of investors. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So I sat in a, a meeting room with the C- secret service 
FBI, yep. Microsoft, and the lawyers from the NSA. <laughs> and listen to them talk about how Microsoft was working on a new image for the NSA. And I started thinking, wait a minute. They, oh, yeah. They have different images. And so I was young and I was thinking, hmm, I really want to know about this. And so they were talking about, you know, the different access controls for those images and, and how the consumer had one image and, and FBI, CIA, NSA had their own images and they had access to all the hooks into the other ones. And I thought, you know, it, that makes sense. You know, and I'm sure Cisco did the same thing at some point. Oh, they, they all, they, I mean, this is, so again, you know, I, you want to talk about fixing this industry. Mm. There's no fucking incentive. No. But tell me where the incentive is to fix. If, if I can make a piece of software with additional features, we're not calling them bugs, they're features. Features. And, and I sell you one version of the software because you want to, you want to use the system. Mm-hmm. You want to get online and you want to surf the internet and you want to do the Facebooks and you want to look at the ancestries and 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 you want you want to do all that and you will listen to music and all the other shit and you want to yell, hey Siri, and shit just work. You got your image, you're in good shape. I got you covered. Now, if you are, let's say, an agency, and you also want to be able to do that, but you also want to keep an eye on things, just to make sure everybody's doing the right thing. I'm gonna sell you the same piece of software with those features enabled, not bugs, the features. Now, if all of a sudden, Mike, you suddenly call up, you know, set software, I'm going to go, Hey, I've just found six different ways to backdoor your sorry asses that you didn't know about. I'll pay you the money for them. And then I'm going to sell them to the agency because they're additional features that we've helped people understand. It's a money-making machine, every different damn direction. I got you coming and going. And by the way, the money I've just given you, I'm going to sell on as an additional feature to the agency for a million bucks of time, probably per annum. You know, and it's, and I think there's no, there is absolutely no incentive by anybody to fix it. And that's the problem. The company that keeps getting its ass handed to it just raises its prices a little bit. That's now the cost of doing business. The insurance company, well, they raise their prices because that's the cost of doing business. You know, out of, you know, the bunch of us on here, maybe half of us get, or I think what's the statistics at the moment, like 25 or 33% chance. So they raise their prices enough that once a year, three of us get our ass handed to us and the other six pay for it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And unfortunately that just, that there doesn't seem to be an incentive yeah. because you come up with another company to, to secure things and well, shit, I'll give you the money because you're going to help discover bugs that are going to help you. And it's, there's no, there's no driving incentive. And I just goes back to what we said right at the beginning, right at the beginning, our, our logic for doing this way back when one on the CES was to put food on the table. Two was to come up with an industry that we actually could fit into. And three was to protect. And we've, we've lost that kind of lost it yeah unfortunately and it and we've really lost it yeah i mean i i, I miss the days of, of defcon when it was the tattooed pierced tribe that we had you know you go now and it's more like a college frat party well um, and the and the head of was it head of who the hell gave the keynote was the head of dhs head of, or was that black i don't remember who the hell it was it was somebody's yeah yeah it's um i yeah yeah, I mean, the, 
I'll my I will I will stick up for DEFCON for the villages. I love the to me the village mentality. I mean, um, and when we could still go hanging out, watching the car hacking village grow, watching the voting village grow, just being able to go along and hang out of the hardware hack, hanging out of the lockpick village. I think, uh, I mean, good God, I mean, like the wall of sheep. And then you look at the mental health hackers. I mean, that's, you know, you talk, want to talk about some of the issues in our industry, mm-hmm. the ability for the mental health hackers to actually get a foothold and say, okay, hey, we're here, come come listen, come talk. Right. I love it for the villagers. Mm-hmm. I think to your point, I actually don't know the last time I went to a talk at DEF CON or even listened to one. And we're, we're going back quite a ways now. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's been like family and, and the villages. Just go hang out at the villages because they're almost like mini conferences on their own. And they just, well, oh, Hagnadis, the, um, the, uh, the, the social engineering one. I mean, that's gone. And obviously, um, Skytalks with Prang Outlet. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the little villages. It reminds me of uh, the Renaissance fairs and Renaissance festivals. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 a really good way of looking at it. Yeah, because you go there for specific things. Like, I mean, I love watching the metal smithing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the ability to see people work with their hands so amazingly. Um, yeah, it is pretty cool. It's uh, yeah, it's um, and actually, you know, somebody just said it again. Kim again. Kim's on freaking point of this stuff. Kim again. It's. I think one of the biggest frustrations in, and we talk about conferencing stuff. Mm-hmm. I, what I want to see at RSA, Black Hat, DEF CON, any of these ones, I want to see, you know, hey, so-and-so from so-and-so is giving a talk and in big fucking letters, they can be watermarked, but they better be visible, pay to play space. I want to know that motherfucker's given $50,000 to stand up and give that talk. Because you know damn well you're not going to get useful information nine times out of ten, unfortunately. You know damn well you'll be like, well, so here's the industry and here's how we're solving it all for you. Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Black Hat, I quit going to Black Hat years ago. Uh, Black Hat to me is more of a vendor space and pretty much a government conference. You know, it just there's nothing that I, I find useful coming out of there. Um, the last time I was entertained at Black Hat was when that one guy gave the talk about Cisco and was literally almost arrested on the oh, podium. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah, good grief. I remember that one. God, I remember, didn't, was, what, I'm trying to remember if that was one. Somebody here listening could, could chime in. Was that where DEF CON ended up having to tear pages out of their book or something? I can't, was that, I remember if that was the one or not. I do remember. Yeah. But actually, so who was I talking to the other evening? It might have been Ryan Evan, or it might have been. It might have been, actually. I think it was Jesse. Jesse and I were talking about it because I think it was like it was either the first or the second year of B sites when we were still at the Porn Star House. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it was then there was another one of those fun incidents where somebody was going to give a talk about everything that you could build after you've been through TSA. That I remember getting hold of a copy of that, and I remember just curling up and going no wonder that talk got nailed because i mean mm-hmm. yeah, the exploding in incendiary suitcases and just i mean absolute and we were just talking to other guys i'm like we need to do another one of those because i'm you know we're not having any fun traveling in the air anymore so i'm like if somebody is going to go through this shit storm of getting to an airport mm-hmm. we at least need to give them something fun to play with when they get through tsa hey exactly. You made it yeah. through. Uh, make a suitcase that can blow up, or at least you know, make something that can radio controlled. And so, yeah, 
We'll I remember we used to, you and I used to compare boarding passes at one point, posting <laughs> pictures of our boarding passes online with the four S's and it was fucking S's. Quite oh, funny. that's the other reason I'm pissed as well. Cause my, I actually managed to get like TSA pre and global entry. I don't know who's, I don't know. I think it was How did you do that? Fuck it if I know. I think cause I'd pissed off the SBI so much. The department of justice was like, literally leave him alone. And by the way, at least be half nice to him. But yeah, I'm going to see a TSA break. Well, I went flying this time. My TSA pre has been denied. So Ooh. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm So I'm, part of me is like, I'm wondering who in the last two years are pissed off. The list is fairly long, let's be honest. Yeah. But um, I, I, hit love- a, I hit a new peak with that. So I have the four S's, but they've also got me on a DHS list. Ooh. Where when I fly, they have to phone DHS and get clearance for me to get wow. into the airspace. And not only that, but with the pacemaker, I get the 4S treatment plus the pacemaker. Oh, oh good God. So yeah. God. So, but the, the DHS thing was really strange. Um, when I came back from London, when I got diagnosed with epilepsy and was coming home last year, um, I had paperwork from the embassy because the embassy had to work with the UK government in order to allow me to come back to the States because they weren't going to allow me to come back. They had revoked my passport. I was done. Jeez. So they put me on a plane they give me the, they give me the paperwork, a four day passport. You know, it was good for like September 13th through the 17th or some shit. Yeah. So I get to the airport and I'm checking in and the people behind the counter said, this is strange. You have to hold on for a second. And I thought, oh shit, what now? You know, yeah. I've been through yeah. this routine. So they bring the manager over and the manager looked at me and he goes, are you carrying any weapons? And I was like, are you fucking shitting me? Like, why would I carry a weapon? I mean, you're going to flag me anyways. Yeah. And so they said, well, you're on, you're on this, this list. I have to make a phone call. And they picked up the phone and I heard them talking about how they had to call DHS. I said, wait a minute. I have the paperwork from the embassy right here from the U.S. consulate. Yeah. allowing me to go back to the States. And the manager said, well, I'm sorry, but you're on another list as well. So we have to call DHS. And I was like, Oh, geez. So it, it goes back to like, so before I went to England, I went to go get put on a bank account, right? And I just a signer on a bank account, not my account, but somebody else's account. Found out I was an OFAC list. And I was like, fucking great. You know, so I don't know who I pissed off, but obviously quite a few people. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, we're about to have a little bit of fun. We're uh, uh, up in uh, Wisconsin this coming week for a couple of days. And uh, there's a, a bunch of feds staying at the same hotel is part of the conference. And we've already made the template letter up. Uh, I've got it on the proper letterhead, got the watermarking on there, going to get it printed off this week. And it's, you know, hey, dear valued guest. And it starts that way. And it's like, you know, we're offering continental breakfast, American breakfast, scan the QR code here to select which breakfast you want. Awesome. You know, if you'd like the hotel stuff here, scan here for the digital version. So we're going to put those Wednesday, I'm going to put those under every single door. That's and awesome. I'm, all I want to hear, what would make me the happiest person on this planet is to get up in the morning and be walking down the corridor and going to the conference and like every now and again, just hear the hamster dance, just coming from somebody's phone or iPad. That, 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 I mean, I've done nothing malicious, malicious, but I basically payloaded the QRs to go out to hamster, to go out to Rick Rowling. Rick and Roll. we, we got the Hoff. We've got the half on one. So we've got like three different ones. So you got the breakfast one there. So we figure we're going to get somebody with one on. I literally, I would be the happiest hacker on the planet if all I can do is a bunch of FBI guys are sitting there and all of a sudden you hear this. Like, yes, all I care about. 
You have to take a video. If that happens, you definitely have oh, to take a video, man. I'll take the video as they're charging at me with handcuffs. And yeah, we've awesome. already, oh yeah, it'll be freaking hilarious. And again, there's there's not doing it for any malicious reason, but I, if it happens, I'm going to stand up on stage and we're going to have a conversation about humans. We're going to have a conversation about no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter what you put in place, no matter what you think, there's still a human you have to account for. And um, hey, how was this morning's example with humans? And, and so this just going to try to do it. So you're going to have a ton of fun. Yeah, as Kim said, people ask me why don't scan QR codes. We did it. We've done it in airports. I've gone to airports mm -hmm. with like a variety of sizes of QR codes and just put them in strategic places. Right. I think I, got, got, I think I got this QR code like almost 10 years ago. Oh. It used to scan, but no longer scans. Yeah, the body tends to mess things up a little bit, unfortunately. So QR codes are really interesting, especially like embedding shell code in QR codes is a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, back to back, back to the human, back to breaking into a company. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you do? You you walk up to the company, you're like, "Hey, we've just opened a pizza joint down the road. Here's a stack of coupons for you." There's a fucking mm -hmm. QR code on the damn thing. Everybody's like, "Oh, cool, pizza!" Click, popping shells everywhere. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're never going to stop it. it, it and, and I think this again, this just comes back to one of those other things, which is, you will never, we, we will never stop this from happening and i, I it piss again it pisses me off that, that again a large chunk of the industry is like well we can stop it or we can do this or we can put your perimeter you don't have a fucking perimeter you haven't had a perimeter for a long time and the simple fact that when you pull into your garage your car tells the coffee machine to switch on and by the way you've got the milk so it needs to reset the stupid thing you lost your perimeter x number of years ago stop stop fooling yourself so the flat i'm in right now actually the the front door runs by qr code so you bring the the oh. application or actually the just a copy of the qr code up on your phone no and way. put it in front of the scanner and it opens the door yeah. by the qr code oh. i thought that's dangerous as shit man. <laughs> man no way oh my gosh i didn't realize they um i hadn't messed with that we're still i mean we've had so much fun with the ring system well i mean oh yeah <laughs> you want to talk about an incendiary device ring doorbell <laughs> yay um, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, and I mean, I think that's it, you know, we, we've, again, back to the industry and back to protect, we tried to tell people we can stop it. Well, I, we've got to stop telling people we can stop shit. And we've got to tell people like shit's going to happen, right? Here's what you do to prepare. Mm -hmm. Here's what you try to do to recover. Here's what you put in place. And, and we work accordingly. And this is, you know, the pen testing side of it. I, I'm probably going to do the same thing at this. I, I've stood up on stage now a couple of times and gone, hey, let's go back to traditional pen testing. Let's actually have this conversation because what happens is somebody knocks on your door like this and goes, hello, I'm here to penetrate you. And you're like, motherfucker, did you bring lube? Not only am I here to penetrate you, but I'm going to use Kali, the goddess of death and destruction. And motherfucker, I've got pineapples and I've got ponies. At which point the client's like, holy Shit, and turtles. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, how much lube did you bring? And so we don't even start off on the right foot. If we literally knocked at the door and said, hey, um, I got coffee, I got tea, and I got donuts, and I got biscuits. Um, I'd love to sit and have a conversation with you. I actually want to talk to you about situations. I want to have a conversation about what ifs. Let's talk about what if I took that computer? What are you going to do? What if I did this? What if I kicked the door? And let's have that conversation. Great. 
You get the idea, you understand. Okay, now we've had that, let's run through them with you. Now let's run through them with IT, with legal compliance in the business. Great, now you've got the shit together. Now actually, let's go test it. Mm-hmm. You've told me all of this. We figured it all out. Now, hey, let's let's actually go test this. Let's run a couple of tests. Which to me, that's when you start talking about pen testing. Yeah, that's when the use comes in. So the company Luke and I are working for has a very progressive stance when it comes to pen testing. Right? We don't like doing the, the snapshot in time. Um, we're trying to get away from that. So what we're doing is we're offering buckets of hours for security. Oh. Nice. Whether it be, you know, looking at your SIM and helping you tune your SIM, doing a pen test, uh, doing a, a phishing campaign, whatever you feel like your pain point is, then we take a look at that and you get X amount of hours and you yep. can buy more hours. I don't like the traditional sense of, okay, I'm going to do a pen test for you and you're going to give me a week to do the test and a week to write the report and you're going to pay me $6,000 or $10,000, whatever. Yep. And that's it. And you don't call me for another six to eight months. Um, to me, that's you're doing yourself a disservice because first of all, it's a snapshot in time. We're not yeah. gonna be able to cover your entire network in a week, obviously. So there's gonna be gaps. So what are we really doing? How, how are we really helping if we only do a tiny piece of the network? Well, that's I've seen a lot of people, and um, I'm getting interest from folks who are like, "Hey, we we want to do more virtual CISO stuff. We actually want to yeah. bring in somebody who's tattooed and hairy and scary, mm-hmm. and have them help us on an ongoing basis." Because whenever I do this, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm happy to help." Mm-hmm. But same as you, not a one and done, little buddies. You want one and done? Go to the big four. They'll deal with you. They'll take your money. If you actually want to do it properly, I'm happy to have a conversation. Let's talk about six or twelve months worth of conversation. Okay. Because to your point, hey, let's, we will get together on a weekly basis. We will talk about what's going on. We'll talk with the business and we'll figure it out. And hey, this month, yeah, you know what? We actually do need to do an assessment, but how ready are you? Next month, let's take a look at controls. Let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at assets. And so, you know, exactly to your point, it's, it's that bucket of hours human thing. And it's, hey, I'm, I got your back. I'm here to help. And I'm here to listen. And by listening, I can actually help you understand things on a continual basis. Right. I always um, tell them I'm, I'm, I want to become a trusted advisor. Consider me an employee sitting yeah. in your chair, but just remotely. Yeah. You know, and, and we'll, we'll conduct business the same way that your security group does. You know? well, good thing. I mean, as well, think about it. I mean, so the stuff we're doing with Hillbilly Hit Squad is we're going after small, small companies. And we're talking like one, two people up to 50 at most. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with anybody above like 50 to 75 people. And we're doing it. We're having some fun. We're doing some cool stuff. But to me, it's a lot of that one is you, I, I mean this nicely and I'm not being an ass or a big head, but you can't actually afford me. Right. Um, I'm, we're expensive. We, we, for whatever freaking reason, we're pretty expensive little buggers. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do is we can have a conversation about, let's get some time to your point. Let's get a bucket of hours. Let's get a virtual thing. Let's get a once a week, once a month, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. But let's at least help you move that needle right you know let's let's try to affect change let's and you know uh the stuff that uh, evan and ryan are doing with security studio you know they're basically putting a score by it that says hey you know what your credit rating is if your credit rating 600 you know it's going to be painful getting the car if your credit's 820 they're going to roll out the freaking red carpet for you so let's have that conversation in the same context if i walk in and after a bit of conversation with you we realized that your security score is, you know, 550, 600. Well, here's what we do. 
here's welcome to credit repair for our industry. Welcome to here's the steps you need to do to go from a 550. And the other thing that we were talking about doing inside the Hillbilly Hit Squad is if you manage to get, because we're building studio into it, if you manage to get from a 550 to a 650, 700, you're probably going to take less of our time. So I'm going to charge you less rather than it being a, you know, an X amount of thousands per month. I'm actually going to give you a refund back on your monthly bill because I see progress. I want to reward good behavior. Sort of so, like the car insurance industry, you know, the good driver incentives yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. If you're going to do that, I, I at least want to say thank you. It might not be a huge amount because at the end of the day, it probably isn't going to be, but at least I want to say thank you. You know, I don't just want to keep taking, I want to give, I want to say thank you and say, Hey, so, so tell us about the Hillbilly Hit Squad. I know that you and I talked about it briefly, I guess, close to a year ago. Um, yeah. Tell me what you got going on and what it's about and people who don't know what it is, you know, kind of the definition. Yeah. So I mean, Hillbilly Hit Squad was, uh, we've had it as a behind the scenes for a number of years. And, and the, the three core protagonists, myself, Jesse, and Swede. Uh, and Jesse, nice. a lot of people have met Jesse. He makes me look small, big Nebraska guy. Mm um amazing at like mechanical and electromechanical engineering like absolute freak of nature when it comes to that stuff swede similar but different size and scape swede is the one that we throw over the fence when we have to get in somewhere um i think he weighs less than probably all three of the dogs each one combined you know each one um but he's amazing another one of those just really really cool guys really really good and really learning the ropes in our industry from his mechanical electrical engineering industry and so there's three of us. And we, yeah, we do, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're doing a bunch of stuff with some high net worth clients. We're doing a bunch of stuff with a couple of companies. Um, we're doing some assessment stuff, but I'm trying to steer away from it and I'll take it and I'll give that business to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll keep an eye on it. But we do a lot of the consultative side of the world, doing a lot of research side of stuff. And then we've got Dave. So Dave is, Dave is, Dave's Dave. Dave is actually modeled after Milo, to be perfectly honest. Um, Dave's the bodyguard, Dave's the protector, Dave is the device that sits inside those small, small companies or inside the home mm-hmm. and gives you the awareness, gives you the availability, gives you the, the ease of use, gives you, gives you basically some elements of protection. And so we've built Dave up in a, two or three different models. One is just, hey, go after it, have at it, here's the interface, here's this we're available. And then we've got a couple of versions where it's like, Hey, we got shit covered. You know, when your TV starts talking to China, we're going to tell you about it. We'll help you understand why. And we'll help you understand why not. You know, when your Siri decides it wants to send all of your information off at three in the morning, we're not actually going to let that happen. And when your kid decides that they want to use, you know, certain types of software at certain times of the day, or your employees are trying to surf during the day and you're working in a your manufacturing location, we're going to help you understand that. And if you want to block it, we've got you covered. If you want to do this, we've got you covered. And by the way, we've got backups built into it. We've got training built into it. We've got some darknet research built into it. And we've got the studio stuff built in. So pretty cool little product. And I'm actually pretty happy with it. We're still doing some, we're still doing some dev work on it. We've got it in a bunch of high net worth houses. We've got it in a bunch of other places. Just really putting this, the final polish onto it before we kind of go live with it uh, next month. Cool. Very cool. Um, I'd like to take a look at it when we get some okay. time. Yeah, totally calm. And then we've got the watches. So we've got the whole house as well. Nice. <clears throat> so Hillbilly Hit Squad has a whole house. Awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I might have a few watches or I slash Hillbilly Hit Squad. We've got a few watches. So we ended up going, look, if we're going to do something with these, we're going to do watch rentals. And so something completely out of left field, nothing to do with computing at all, really. 
and um, we're doing watch rentals and that starts up pretty soon as well. We're going to get some other stuff done, but that starts up pretty soon. Cool. And again, we're going to have some fun with it, you know, base intro price and then a monthly, monthly amount. We're not going stupid with it because literally it's just to pay for the damn watches. We're not going to make millionaires off this freaking thing. It's not, that's not the idea for this. Um, or you can just come rent something for, you know, three days, 14 days or 30 days. And we've got a pretty eclectic selection, everything from the normal, like the Rolexes, the Pateks and the APs, all the way through to some pretty freaking awesome G-Shocks, some cool stuff out of the UK from Elliot Brown, uh, Orises, and just, we had some fun with it. And it's, it's done, it's done to just do something different. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely have to take a look at those and I'll probably pick one up. Oh yeah, it's fun. It's and, you know, and again, it's horology study of watches. So we shortened it down and called it the Ho House. Nice. So the horology house and and uh, the name stuck. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, I've been kind of toying around with with different ideas, and you know, I had the idea of making like essential oil candles and called it the Cyber Escape candle. <laughs> Just ways to you know chill and calm down, you know, and because I uh, what's that? <coughs> uh, I bought them year ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. there's a place called dumpster fire can dumpster candles or like dumpster fire candles or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. bought a bunch of them. The smells haven't changed much, but they yeah, I mean, seriously, you could actually have some fun with those. Yeah. I mean, we could do with another company, especially one of our own to buy dumpster fire candles from with some fun smells. Again, essential oils like, ah, shit. I mean, breached. Here's my breach candle. And Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you, you could do the breach candle. You could do the assessment. I'm going, you could have the audit candle. You want about that calming candle? I'm going through an audit, the calming candle. You know, there's a hairy guy looking in through the window candle. That's a little bit more like <gasps> kind of like that citrus oh shit moment. I mean, seriously, have some fun with this because you could do the dumpster fire ones. Then you could literally take like the DEFCON skull and crossbones and do some versions of that one. Let's face it, most of us are. I mean, could you imagine how much fun you could have with like the old version of hackers doing like little computers and little mainframe? You could have an AS Finder yeah. candle. I mean, oh my, because you could three, you could probably three D print the models for this stuff pretty easily. Yeah, and I mean, making the candles is very simple. I mean, I bought a kit off of Amazon for like twenty bucks and came with the wax and everything. Just all I had to do is drop a couple drops of essential oil in it and put a wick in it. Done. Oh, you gonna have some fun? Seriously, I mean, could you imagine? On the, I mean, for, again, for those of us that are going to be old farts in this, you know, buying an AS400 candle or buying like a Vax VMS mainframe candle, you, you could have so much freaking fun with this shit. I had an idea of embedding things in the candle, right? So letting it cool a little bit to where it's yeah. kind of consistent and then taking yeah. maybe a USB, one of the small USBs with some code that I've written and put it into the wax and let it form around it. So have you missed, do you remember it was... They were really popular several years ago. I haven't messed with them much. The, the, the drop dead plates, the drop dead boxes. And we used oh, to yeah. mess with them all the time. And then there was the, you used to be able to go digging for the stuff as well. Mm. There's, I mean, you could do that. If you could do it in such a way that there's like a little USB. Oh my God, you could do a rooster cruising version. Get some USB lights in there and just get some decent USB lights in the candle as the mm. wax is cooling. And then just have like a little USB connector. So they connect, you know, the candle's burning. You could have a digital analog and then just connect the candle up. So you got both digital analog running at the same time. You could do some stupid fun shit with that. Maybe we should uh, get together and come up with some ideas and and start a little company. That would be freaking hilarious. And we could make some hillbilly hit squad candles as well. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Freaking <laughs> gunpowder gun smoke flavored candles. Gunpowder, bacon flavor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to have, it better be good bacon smell. Oh, yeah. There we go. Bourbon. Well, then, yeah. Bourbon, bourbon yeah. whiskey. Uh, it would be fun to do something just totally offbeat like that. That'd be yeah. just, a, just a fun, crazy thing to do. I'd be I mean, up to we, we've tried to do all kinds of things. You know, I put the, the Teespring together and we've got mm. merchandise on the Teespring and, you know, we've got mugs and all kinds of stuff. But the candles, I, I had a lot of fun messing with the candles. Of course, people said they were interested, but nobody's bought any yet. So, you know, I'm kind of dancing with that. But I, I like the idea of creating little AS400s and maybe some some Watsons or whatever. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you could do that. You could put a Whopper out as well. And if nothing else, I think if you did it, I, I mean, I bug it if I know how it would work, but you could almost do it in such a way that you could put some fun colors in there and people could plug it in. And right. I mean, how you could embed a wireless antenna into one. I mean, it, you know, put an Arduino in and bloody wireless antenna in the stupid thing for crying out loud. Oh yeah, easily. It would just so much freaking fun. And then people, honestly, if you think about doing something like that, you could almost teach people like, hey, hey, you know, as you burn the candle down, it goes from like a 2B, 2DB gain to a freaking 15DB gain antenna. Awesome. Oh my gosh. So, so the one thing I've been trying to get and par partially because I was uh, in Houston and I had COVID and I had to skip town after I had COVID, um, I was going to get some of your whiskey, mm. some of your moonshine. Yeah. Um, and I think the address has gotten mixed up or something, but I would love to, to get a couple bottles from you at some point. Yeah, shoot over, you know that it'll shoot over an address. We'll send some fun stuff over. We are, we had to move the stuff that we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's uh, a story behind that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there definitely is. That's for a quiet evening, not not when it's, you know, evidence item number X. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we're, we're kicking that back off again at some point in time soon, which will be kind of fun. I'm not sure when we'll be kicking it off. But uh, yeah, meanwhile, we should be able to have some fun. We've got a couple of bits of stuff floating around. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd, I'd love to get involved and, uh, you know, maybe put a couple of HH logos on, on stuff and we'll swap logos. Oh, totally. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. So I know you and I have talked about this incident a million times. So hmm. not for my sake, but for people who don't know the story, tell them about the airplane issue. Oh, there we go. Hang on two seconds. Just uh, Jen's on the road, so I got to fake. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the short version, and the long version's all over the internet, but the short version, uh, 2009, 2010, we started doing a bunch of research into aviation because it was we progressed from basically messing with cars into aviation. Uh, 2012, 2013, we tried talking with, you know, Boeing, Airbus, Talis, Panasonic, and a bunch of others. Panasonic put us under NDA because it was their one of their entertainment systems, the in-flight entertainment systems that we took the back doors off of. And we went under NDA for two years and they didn't fix a damn thing. Uh, Mike Dietrichs and I have gotten sideways over that more times than I care to think of. Um, and so we stayed under NDA for that one. Meanwhile, we do a bunch of work on the ground control systems, figure out how to get in on the ground and all this other stuff. Then we start taking a look at like, okay, if we can nail the thing on the ground, what can we do while the thing's in the air? And so we start taking a long, hard look. Again, building out an entire lab space full of stuff. And we're like, okay, can we go from in-flight entertainment into anything? Can we go in-flight entertainment 
to nav system? Can we go from in-flight entertainment through the SATCOM systems that they have and get into anything else? Um, and yes, we figured out we could because you take a route from in-flight to nav system, to cabin control system, cabin control system to a discrete network that does other things. And so we figured out how to get into that stuff. We managed to get our hands on a maintenance laptop. We managed to do all sorts of interesting stuff. We proved it out on the ground, didn't put anybody at risk and said, hey, here's what we can do. And again, we went back to Airbus, Boeing and a bunch of others. And we ended up in some pretty senior people's offices. And oh yes, you know, well done, pat on the head and bugger off. Um, we ended up talking to red teams from a couple of those companies and various other things and nothing changed. And then we got DHS involved, a bunch of other things. They actually took notice, they did some of their own stuff. Fast forward to 2015, and it got to the point where I'm like, shit's not changing. And I'm literally, I was sitting on a plane, I was actually heading to a briefing of agency briefing, where we were going to be talking about it even more. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm fed up of doing this shit. I'm fed up of lots and lots of, hey, pat him on the head, make him talk about it at my expense. But don't fucking change anything. So we were sitting on an airplane heading to, wow, where the hell it was, uh, New York, upstate New York, neck of the woods. And I'm sitting on a United plane at the time. And I'm like, here's what I could do. And that's literally, I didn't do anything about it at the time. Obviously, previous times we've done a few things. But at the time, I'm like, here's what I could do. Well, apparently United had put me on the, kind of like you were on the special people list. And they flagged that. It went off to the feds who freaked out. And then they didn't get me in Chicago, but they got me in upstate New York, pulled me off the plane. And, you know, the rest is somewhat history. But the frustrating thing is a couple of things. One, I'd been telling the FBI that I should be talking to them and to other agencies about the stupid shit beforehand. So why did you react the way you reacted? Secondly is obviously it blew up a, com a company where 30 people were working that was already imploding because the investors and myself and the board were at sideways and it just it accelerated it. I took a shit and load of heat for that from people that a couple of them still don't talk to me. And it sucks because they were good people and they were working with me and we were working for each other. It torpedoed the company, which then resurrected. So every now and again, I see those motherfuckers online, Dark Owl, see those fuckers oh. online. I really pisses me off. Um, and I, it just all because people wouldn't listen and all because they, they, I mean, talk about overreacting. It doesn't even come close to it. Right. Um, and it, and it was a shit show, you know, to EFF's credit, they stepped in and they helped out. We got lawyers involved and everything else. And in the end, the feds gave me my gear back and the feds told the feds were told by DOG, leave them the fuck alone. And I got told by DOJ, leave the feds alone. Don't antagonize the feds anymore. Cause I was going for their throat. Cause I was pissed. Right. Cause I'm like, you motherfuckers were actually there. You listened, you took, copious notes and the problem is as well with with owl um i've been advised by owl's lawyers that yeah i can talk and the, the other problem is as well is i was going through a pretty nasty breakup uh, of a marriage at the time and then when the company torpedoed uh because of what i'd been advised to sign mm -hmm. i was still on the i was still on the hook for the money that the com that the company owed my ex. So I obviously, when we divorced, I owned a large chunk of the company. So she got half of it paid over a 10 year period, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And so to this day, because of that shit, I'm still on the hook for up to $800,000 to my ex. 
That's crazy, man. That's so crazy. Because of that shit show back then, because of you know a number of factors. Some of them absolutely my fault. I'll take responsibility. Yeah. But some of them, yeah, definitely not. And so, you know, there's a there's a lot of good eventually came out of it. You know, we ended up sitting on various different airfields with various different people proving this shit out. Mm. And then unfortunately, they wheeled out their experts who are like, oh no, that's not possible now. IOactive had um, a bunch of folks that were doing similar research and Satan and a few of the others came out and said, yeah, that motherfucker's actually right. And then they got their asses handed to them by the feds and they got chased off the, you know, it's, it wasn't pretty. I, I've had some good conversations with their leadership people who actually are great because they stand behind their researchers mm-hmm. for the most part. And so it was, um, you know, it was nice to be validated and vindicated, but unfortunately in a public space, there's very little I can still say, which sucks. Yeah, it, it was funny. I was uh, I was living in Houston at the time, and it was me and my boys in, in the apartment. And I woke up one morning and turned on uh, Fox News. And I see your face on Fox News. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> no. and, and it sucked. And the only reason I went on the offensive on that one is because, you know, the feds were, I, I got painted into a pretty nasty picture. Yeah. I'm like, actually, motherfuckers, we've been talking for the last five years. I've proven shit out to you. And you still won't listen. And by the way, not only that, I've sat in the CEO's offices explaining this to the airlines mm-hmm. and the arses at Tales and the idiots at Panasonic. And shit didn't get fixed. Yeah, it and, never and, does. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I mean, we're at a point now. We're doing research now. We've been doing it for a couple of years now on shipping. Mm-hmm. Now, to shipping's credit, they have an ISACA and they're actually listening. But I mean, the crazy shit that you can do with a ship while it's at sea and while it's going into port and all that stuff. I mean, you want to talk about f- screwing up supply chains. Good God's alive. They're like sitting ducks. Destroyed. Yeah. I think uh, not too long ago, there was a talk I listened to about um, being able to manipulate maritime GPS. And that's what's caused some of the major shipping uh, accidents. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fun stuff. Yeah. Partly because you got to show down, look up a VSAT 9000. Oh, VSAT, yeah. Lists of ports to play with. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it, it's basically like waving that red rag to a ball. Now you take that another step further and go, hey, <clears throat> let's look and see. Because obviously, again, everybody wants their single pane of glass this day and age. Right. So what else is on that navigation computer? Well, hmm, let's see. Engine control room, uh, the reports come into there. Mm. So can I do anything with the reports? Well, maybe. Can I also go make friends with the engine room? Yeah, who knows? Good question. If I can get to the engine room, can I get to the ballast? Well, there's another fine set of conversations to have. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff out there. I remember when I was flying on Unsaid Airline to uh, the UK, and I tapped into the entertainment network. Yeah just to see, you know, if, if they'd fixed anything or if, if you know, how vulnerable yeah. they really were. And I was able to DOS the, um, the entertainment network. And so mid flight, it's kind of late, it's dark, everybody's watching the movies and stuff and launch a DOS. And next thing you know, everybody's screens kind of pixelized and froze. And I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> it still works. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. And it still works. And so you're on cabin. And so you're in the entertainment system. Well, how do they control entertainment from cabin control? 
Oh, well, it's a one-way communication. Uh, mm. let, let me explain to you how one-way comms works. Yeah, no, it doesn't that way. And let me explain to you what I can do. And here's my maintenance laptop that I got from a guy down here. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So now you're in cabin control. Well, what do they do with cabin control? Hey, pilot, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Hey, pilot. Oh, I mean that and the fact that half of them are giving them fucking iPads. They're giving them iPads like candy. Oh, and exactly. And they're putting a two-wire network on and wondering why, you know, I, anyway, yeah, long stories. So I was staying in a Moxie hotel not too long ago. And if you go into the elevators in the Moxie hotels, they use Schindler elevators. And the key card access has the little dial, right? Well, if you look on the underside of the dial, is actually a USB port. So all you have to do is download the Schindler control app and you can make those elevators do anything you want them to do. <laughs> so I went to the manager and I said, Hey, did you know that your elevator has a USB slot? And they're like, Oh yeah, it's supposed to be like turned down to the bottom so you can't see it. And I was like, well, it doesn't make it go away. Oh yeah. Yeah. Security by obscurity. That's always worked. Hasn't it? Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, like, who's the other one? Uh, crap. I can't remember. There's another elevator company and I'm probably not allowed to mention them, but there's another one. All of their control systems go to the cloud. And I'm like, yeah. you're fucking kidding me. And they're like, well, no, it's wonderfully I'm like, ah! yeah, just exactly. elevate. The amount of years, I mean, shit, I remember getting thrown out of the Luxor. God, how many years ago was that when we when we did the Luxor? We we got chucked out of the Luxor for messing with the elevators as we were going up to go mess with the light. I mean, just nice. like that. Awesome. As well. So on that same line of questions, and then I'll open it up for everybody else's questions, but um, what is your favorite hack that you've done? I ask this of all the, the pen testers and hackers that come on the show. I think... Probably the one that I'm, I don't know if I'd call the most proud of because there's some fun ones. I think the one that I'm fortunate that next to nobody else will ever be able to say I'll ever be able to do was when we broke into the Supermax. And we were obviously engaged to do it, but we broke into the Supermax. In Denver. In De yeah, it's south of our neck of the woods, but it's in Colorado. Yeah, we got, uh, they, were, they were finishing up like the final wing of the Supermax. Uh -huh. And we've been engaged by, and a lot of this, some of this is public knowledge, but we were engaged by Department of Corrections in Colorado to basically go break into a bunch of their stuff and tell, help them understand the risks, which was mm -hmm. great. Kudos to them for, for actually taking the initiative. Well, one of the targets was the Supermax. And so we, um, we broke into another facility and we got into uh, this communication. So obviously, you know, you're not allowed to have visitors and the bloody thing, but they let you have cameras and stuff. So we're like, okay, well, where are they? How do they work and all this stuff? So we figured it all out and we broke into the other facility and we got into the camera systems and a whole bunch of other silly things. And again, vendor had left a piece of the network open. So we were able to get in where we needed to get into. We got past the surveillance, got into the building control stuff and in that once we validated well, because we always had an escort with us, once we validated that we weren't about to open doors in other areas, we actually we proved the point by tripping the analog circuit so that it deactivated the door support mechanisms. And so literally popped the door in one of the wings of this race. And we did it from outside the facilities. Mr. Robot. Uh, yeah, we weren't allowed out of that building. They literally locked the building down. They locked us down until they'd got the vendor back in, locked everything down, closed everything down, got us to retest everything. Only then were we actually allowed to leave. They, um, oh. yeah, they, they were, yeah, oh yeah, they were, 
they were a little i mean they were they were perfectly okay with us i mean again to their credit they wanted to know this shit but mm. uh but uh to their credit they they took this shit seriously i mean we also physically went to get in there i mean we broke into their supply stores i mean i still have one of the jackets oh nice on there. i still have one of my jacket I, you know i asked them if i could keep it as a trophy they're like yes just don't ever impersonate i'm like <laughs> totally understand that one so yeah we've got jackets we've got badges i mean we made door hanging things for the cars all sorts of shit yeah we had um it was actually really interesting because we went to Sterling and did some stuff up in Sterling and the prison system up there. So yeah, I will give them a lot of kudos because they actually were like, tell us what the hell's going on. And Proactive. Yeah. yeah, really. And they, they actually fixed a lot, which is actually really, really cool to see. That's pretty awesome. It, that reminds me of the episode with uh, Mr. Robot where he's outside the, the gates of the, the prison and he hacks into the wireless and then somehow manipulates through the network and, you know, releases the doors. Um, I wonder if that's where they got it from. Who knows? I don't know. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because some of that is definitely public knowledge because I think because it was a, a government, you know, it was a government project or whatever. They have to disclose certain things. Yeah. Um, but there's there's some stuff that probably won't see the light of day in a while. But yeah, that was I think that was that was probably one of those ones where there are it's kind of like the 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 space station, you know, changing the temperature on the space station. There's not too many. <laughs> that was fun. And then Eddie and I doing the Mars rover, that fucking getting the Mars rover to sing God Save the Queen by Freddie Mercury. No you know, way. Like that. Oh, yeah. We, oh, that was a Gurkhan one. That was, we did that at Gurkhan. Fucking so much fun doing that shit. That's awesome. So yeah. I'm going to open it up for a couple of questions from the people that are logged in. Um, if you want to put it into the chat and we'll address it. And a half another questions. Yeah. They're usually pretty good at asking questions. Oh, by the way, this uh, the recording will go to Tech Strong TV and and they'll air it three times in in a week, uh, probably nice. a couple cool. weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, um, we I know that you worked with uh, Chris for a while at Lairs, right? Yeah, yeah, we hung. Well, I mean, Chris and I. Uh, I mean, shoot, Chris, I've known for years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll just go with that one. And uh, I went and hung out at Laris for a while. Um, we agreed very quickly that uh, we appreciated our friendship more than we appreciated working with each other. And I'm I'm actually really pleased that we actually managed to do that, which is kind of cool. So yeah, still good friends. But um, you know, just it is what it is. Chris, great, no problem. Some of the other chaps, yeah, it is what it is. I'll, I'll tell you the, the story about how I met Chris. It was uh, two thousand. I want to say two thousand eight. And uh, we're at DEF CON, me and Tom Ryan, hmm. and uh, ran into Chris and Tom knew Chris and we ended up riding in a limo from DEF CON over to a nightclub where they had the DC 303 party. Right. And I met Chris and Ryan and Luke and all those guys. And yeah. uh, I've always stayed in contact with, with Luke and Chris. Um, and we had Chris or we had Luke on the show not too long ago. And um, he had just started work at this new company that I work at. <laughs> and he told me on the podcast, he's like, I'm, I'm going to get you over there. And I said, you heard it. You know, he, said, he, he promised and he sure did. He followed through. Um, I, I've been there a little over a month now. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah Luke is good people. He's, um, you know, he's, there's some absolutely fantastic people in, I mean, you know, this probably better than I do. There's some fantastic people in the industry, but good grief alive. There are some numpties out there as well. Man, I just, I miss the days when we were the industry and that was it. Yeah. 
and that that tribe and and you know that that feel to it you know now it just it's so sometimes it just feels so distant so we have a couple questions what yeah, was a moment in your life when you realized this was a sector you wanted to work in what brought what brought out your passion well so that's probably an easy one because the sector wasn't around when we started so that was an easy one but um add to that though so I, i'm terrible at losing at games I, i'm I'm one of the worst people. I hate losing in computer games. Yeah, like, like, like bad. So in the early days, we're talking like tw uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred oh, and uh, Commodore Position. Yeah, I hate. It. Well, for me, it was Texas Hold'em. I hated losing at Texas Hold'em, so I rewrote the game. Um, nice. And so that was really the start. And then it just went from there. So I, I kept rewriting games, and then I put them up on the bulletin boards, and I redo them, and I give people the hacks for them, and got a name for myself that way. Parents went their separate ways. I wasn't very happy with that situation. So I ended up breaking into the bank and moving money from my father's account into another account. And I got yelled at for that one. And so that really is what started it. And then worked in, in the IT industry and actually worked a bunch of different jobs. I was, uh, I, I've done, I worked as a chef. I worked in a warehouse. I worked in the national energy, whatever, and the, the people in the UK, like Noah's equivalent in the UK, oh, yeah. worked for them doing admin, did desktop data entry, all sorts of weird shit. Uh, then went into the military and jumped out of airplanes for an extended period of time. Came out, went back into this industry as just tech support, IT tech support. But yelled at a few times, then basically fell in back into like the security, the origins of the security space. So yeah, that's really that's that in a nutshell. Yeah, another Jason one. Jason nope. Street was uh, on the show not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. last week. And uh, we found out that we actually worked at the same place, the same time, the same year, and got our start at the same company, Software Support Inc. in Houston. Oh, no way. Desktop support. Yeah. yeah. I didn't last very long in the support area, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that was it. I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about how does everybody get their start into it, it probably back then. Support you can, yeah, it was. I mean, wandering around, literally screwdriver in one hand, freaking floppy disk in the other hand, yep. figuring shit out, literally figuring shit out as you went along. So Alex has a question. Um, oh, I was gonna go. Back. I was, I was gonna go back. There was a bottles. There was a whiskey question. Oh, whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Hit that one first. So I used to have emphasis on the word used to have. I used to have close on a thousand bottles, unopened bottles of whiskey. Jesus. Uh, What's yeah, your favorite? That's a, uh, pretty much anything from Isla. Anything from the other regions, but because of all the shit show with the lawyers and all the mess with uh, the owl fallout and the 800K, mm. I ended up with about $100,000 worth of legal bills. Mm. And so I ended up selling 560 or so of the bottles. Jesus, man. So, and that paid pretty much so paid the lawyer bills down. I also had to fight for uh, joint custody of my daughter, which was another $40,000 worth of legal bills. So, yeah, I basically sold close on 600 bottles in total to pay for all the bills. So I've got unopened, I've probably got two or 300 and then opened, I've probably got another two or 300 bottles opened. And I, you, you guys know this, I share the stuff. Whenever we go to a conference, I'll take flasks or whiskey with me. Um, okay. And I share it and that's all reason for having it. So I have a personal question. Yeah. Um, your bust... Did you redo your bus by yourself? Which one? Uh, the kind of RV-ish. Um, oh, that shit show. Um, God help us. No, we ended up getting somebody in to help out with that one. Uh, and, then, and that's now going through an absolute mess. 
So Jen ended up buying, well, we ended up buying a, a living quarters horse trailer. This thing's beautiful. It's this 30, 34, 35, 36 foot long Cimarron. So she can put the horses in it. We got space to live in it. And so I'm, I'm putting all the tech in that now. So cameras in there, wireless antennas, all sorts of other crazy shit. So that, you know, I can do what I want to do when I'm on the move. Awesome. So yeah. Alex has a question about um, a conversation I had with, with Rob Fuller. Um, mm. It is our responsibility as IT cybersecurity people to make sure that issues and bad links, et cetera, will never reach the uneducated person behind the screen. So we should stop blaming people and their actions on, on the computer. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I hate it when we blame users. Yeah. I, I, I hate it. I mean, we've, we, let's face it, security people, unfortunately, we've blamed everybody. I blame my bloody grandmother for crying out loud. <laughs> um, we've blamed everybody. What we've not been very good at doing is looking in the mirror mm. and looking at ourselves going, what could we have done differently? How could we have explained it in a better way? How could we have done something different? Don't ever tell me that the CFO never listens. Um, tell me that you have tried talking to the CFO in language. Tell me that you've approached legal compliance, HR, and the four of you have gone to the CFO and explained it in business language. When you have exhausted all of those and a bunch of others, now you can bitch and complain, but just because you walked in went blah, 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 tech, blah, 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 tech, blah, 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 firewall, blah, 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 IDS, IPS, DLP, and they didn't fucking understand, you screwed. Right. And I think that's the difference. So I hate that. I don't like it when we blame users. Yes. Gods forbids there are some people that need to be taken out and tasered on the front lawn. I will, I, I would have no qualms about taking a large percentage of that population of users and people in general are fucking tasering them on the front lawn, partly for examples, to be honest. But we have to do a much better job of articulating, you know, we tell people, oh, don't click on shit. Well, here's your training. Click here to continue. What the motherfuckers are you going to do? You know. <laughs> Exactly. Especially like the no before training, right? They put you through the scenarios and it's like, you, you can't help but click on the shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. HR, HR sends out its annual, annual briefing, you know, like, Hey, here's how HR is doing. And, you know, but click here to get to the internet. Oh, motherfucker. No. Well, you have to click here because we told you we're HR. You've just fucking told me a week ago, don't click on shit. And so, you know, we contradict ourselves. So we, we, we have to find a better way of, of doing two things. One, you can educate people from where they are to a certain level, but there's still a shit ton load that we are going to have to do to compensate for it, shall we say. So my, my theory behind that is don't blame the user and really communicating the tech. That's a dead horse. Uh, you just, you're never going to be able to explain it to where most people can understand it. Um, so my theory is that if you make and build strong relationships between groups, yeah, then it becomes one effort. Yeah. Right. We're, we're all in the same, we're all in the same shit together. Let's start rowing in the same direction. Right. And, and building yeah. relationships because relationships is what builds companies, which makes people successful. Totally. User awareness training doesn't solve shit. No, it does. It, it, at the very least, what it should do is help somebody ask another question. And that other question might simply be, why do I care? Right. Let me help you understand. You've got kids. Let me help you understand about that. You've got finances. You've got this. Let me at least, it opens the door to a conversation. Mm. That I think is about as best as we can expect from it. 
because yeah. you'll never you, i mean you won't ever solve the problem again it's back to this what i honestly want is somebody to pick up the phone and go hey i clicked on something i'm really sorry but i need to make you aware right you fucking rock thank you we'll deal with it from here Click. how many how many of those calls have you actually gotten I can count I, on one I, hand. I, I was going to say, I might have to say one just to compensate for maybe the one that I probably got, but kind of like you, if, if one hand, yeah. And it, and it sucks because, you know, every actually, you know, take it back, Jen, Jen, Jen is my one that I can point to. She's a couple of times now. She's like, Hey, I clicked on this. I don't think I should have. I go up there, look at it, go, okay, you're okay. Hey, you're not okay. Let's do, 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 do. And thankfully the house, we got a decent amount of protection. So thankfully, no, you know, we've touched wood. We're um, we're keeping in pretty good shape so far. But yeah, no, I um, it doesn't happen very often, unfortunately. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chris, we're at the end of the hour and a half. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show, brother. It means a lot to me. Um, and I would love. What's that? Your family for crying out loud! It's as simple as that. <laughs> I, I owe you one. So whatever I can do, and then we need to meet up soon and catch up like face to face and share some uh, bourbon we have whiskey we have bourbon just come hang out here actually for everybody that's that's still here so hang on i'm gonna actually do this uh, let's have a look so here's i love yeah. that chair by the way the chair's awesome there are, there's actually two of them so there's the other one and there's the nice. crazy telephone love it there's the crazy telephone so then you've got some of the whiskey there some of it there some of it there and then we go around to this side make everybody sick on this one <laughs> and there's just more wow. there's, books and there's more whiskey 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 and there's jesus more whiskey. man and then there's watches down the other end of watches so nice yeah, well, get over. yeah and, and honestly that extends to anybody that's listening to be perfectly honest you come into colorado shoot me a message come say hi uh come up to the house and just come hang out this is why it's here uh, i will definitely make that trip i love colorado i used to live in aspen um beautiful country but I'll for sure uh, head that way soon and, and we'll have to get together before we get too old. Oh sure. my gosh. Tell me about older. Definitely. Yeah. No, no two words about it. Well, I'm going up to Gurkhan. If everybody's going to Grand Rapids, I'm heading up to Gurkhan. So I'm going to have some fun about, and I think I'm driving. So I might be taking Milo, but I'm definitely taking whiskey awesome. and, and tea. Actually, that's the other thing. You want to talk about changes in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm carrying tea, different, different types of tea. Cause again, unfortunately in our industry, let's be honest, we're, we're pretty good at consuming vast quantities of alcohol, sometimes to our own detriment. So and caffeine. Yeah. So I'm always making sure I'm carrying a couple of cups of tea with me and tea bags and all that good stuff for everybody. So yeah. PG, PG tips. Ah, Yorkshire gold. Good. <laughs> Heavy. Good. Stand spoon up in stuff. Proper good Yorkshire gold. Love that stuff. Absolutely. Well, Chris, cool. man, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be in touch and let's, let's get something together as far as like, you know, building off a little company and, and building gadgets or, or candles or something. I think I like fun. that. It's totally fun. Yeah. Freaking hack a, hack a candle. I'd be totally fun. Actually. I'm up for that. Actually. Awesome. I've also got a couple of other folks who will be up for helping out with that one. That'd be sweet. Well, man, have a good weekend. Give my best to Jen. And uh, Thank you. tell your mom I said hello, and and I hope everybody's doing well, and we'll catch up soon. Same goes. Take care, Mike, and thanks everybody for listening. Take care, everybody. Cheers, buddy. Ta-da.